So last week we started on the disciplines, and last week was more of a uh, why are the disciplines important? Why do we want to do the disciplines? And hopefully, um, hopefully somebody gained something out of that and uh, is making new plans for their year for 2024 to uh, add spiritual disciplines or be more disciplined about the spiritual disciplines you're already doing. Um, but uh, this morning we're going to uh, continue on with some, we're going to start going through some of the disciplines and uh, we're going to be talking about God's word this morning and, and the intake of God's word. But I want to remind you guys that this is not exclusively me teaching the class um, which is never really the case anyway, if you know anything about <laughs> if you've ever heard teachers say that. When you're teaching, you end up learning probably more than you teach the class. Uh, so that's not the way it is anyway. But this is also me. Uh, you know, Essentially, I'm going through the spiritual disciplines for the Christian life again. I've told you that that's something to do over and over again. I don't generally do it more than once a year, but um, usually around this time, I'm picking it up again. And I'm going through it. Either, I usually listen through it, but this year, uh, reading through it. So this is... Uh, a lot of me going through this and basically coming to con- new convictions myself and, and trying to get back into spiritual disciplines the way I have been in the past and maybe add some things too. And so essentially, I'm going through this and reviewing the book and you guys are coming along for the ride. It's pretty much what's going on here. So I hope you guys are able to gain some things out of this. And so a lot of this is, it's, I'm not strictly just going through the book. A lot of what I, I put into this is just things I'm putting into it. Uh, but I'm using the book as a guide, and I would, as I said last week, I would recommend getting the book and getting it on audio as well because you can listen to it, and it's 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 very uh, that just listening to things in addition to reading them helps to solidify it. And I don't know about you guys, but when I hear something, particularly if I hear it more than once, it's a lot easier for me to remember things, remember certain phrases or things that stick out. It's, in fact, I realized that I was putting quotes in here that were things that I just remembered from the book um, as I'm doing it. And so those things, and they're convicting things. They're things that are the, the things that stood out to me as being, yes, that's very true, and that's just something I need to change. And so they ended up in the lesson this morning as well. Uh, so uh, I, would, I would highly recommend getting the, the audio book as well. That's an ant that's going to bug me. Okay. Get it? Bug me. (laughs) And I didn't get rid of them. I just kept them on my paper. There it goes. Okay. Scratch that, Amy, when you get to the audience. Okay. Um, um, So, you know, I hope this series proves to be useful to you guys as well. Now, what are the spiritual disciplines? So hopefully you guys are aware of what some of these are, but I, and these are just some of them, but I'm going to list out where we're going with this. We may not cover all these, but um, a lot of these are the ones that he covers in the book. So spiritual disciplines, intake of God's Word, which we're going to talk about this morning. And that includes not just reading God's Word, but it also includes hearing God's Word, which would be preaching and being in this class this morning, listening to recordings of the Bible, uh, of course, it does include your personal reading, but it also includes Bible study, not just reading it, but studying it. Um, intake of Bible commentary and application resources. So if you're reading good books about Scripture and you're learning things about the Word, that is part of the discipline as well. Uh, memorization, so actually committing passages to memory. Prayer, corporate prayer, being in church and praying together as we do this morning and as we do in church, and praying on your own, of course. Fasting, personal and corporate fasting. 
Um, solitude, which may not be something you guys have thought before about as a spiritual discipline, but getting on our own to consider, apart from distractions, being able to consider the things of the Lord. Worship, church attendance, as you guys are doing this morning, and you guys are, this is one spiritual discipline I think everybody in this room is pretty good at, is uh, worship together in church attendance. Uh, fellowship, which would be different than worship. It's, you know, hopefully as we're here and we're having fellowship time, we're encouraging one another and build one, building one another up in our faith as well, not just visiting. You know, there's a difference. There's social time and visiting and there's fellowship. Fellowship and a technical basis is going to be something more like encouraging one another in the faith and building one another up. Serving and giving. Now, um, as when he was a guest on ACBC podcast, Don Whitney said, this is back in 2015, but it's at the end of the year, you know, people are starting to think about the new year, making new plans, making new goals, and thinking about renewing some spiritual disciplines. So they had him on the podcast, and this is what one of the quotes, uh, this is something he said. He said, the two most important spiritual disciplines are the intake of the Word of God and prayer, in that order. It is more important for us to hear from God through His Word than for God to hear from us in prayer. But in my experience, there is an almost universal problem with both of these most important spiritual disciplines. In other words, in his experience, everybody has trouble sticking to those two most important disciplines of reading God's or being in God's Word and taking God's Word and praying. So he's saying these are the two most important spiritual disciplines, but yet these are the ones that everybody essentially, well, not everybody, he says, but that's the biggest problem. He says that people aren't consistent in those two things even. Now, as in taking God's Word is the most important discipline, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But why is that the most important discipline? I mean, he said it's more important for us to hear from God through His Word, but what do we hear from God in His Word? Why, why is that important? Well, um, God has revealed Himself and His will in Scripture. Um, we know God by what He reveals about Himself in Scripture. Now, we do know a lot about God by looking at the creation around us, but as far as Him specifically letting us know anything about His character and His attributes, those things we know from Scripture. So we can't really know God and His attributes without being in the Word and without intaking Scripture. We can't even pray according to God's will without being in God's Word. Without the revelation of Himself and His will, we can't even pray rightly because we don't know what His will is without reading His Word. The gospel is communicated by way of Scripture. So apart from God's special revelation and the preservation of His Word through the ages, we would not have the authoritative communication of the only way to be in right relationship with the Creator. We would have no way of having that known specifically in an authoritative way. Now, it could be passed on from, by word of mouth from generation to generation to generation to generation, but is that going to be an authoritative source? How, how are we going to know that that's what God intended when we just hear it from somebody else and we never see it in God's Word? We never see it in His preserved Word that's been, that's been brought down through the ages to us. We talked about communicating as parents a few weeks ago. Deuteronomy tells us to communicate God's Word to our children in our homes. Remember we talked about when you, when you rise and when you lie down and when you're walking along the road and put it on your gates and put it on the doorposts of your home. We're, we're commanded to teach our kids in, in all these different ways and in every way as we train them up. So we're not able to do that if we're not in the Word. And God has made His will known to us so that we can share that with our children as well. 
David, the man after God's own heart, wrote, and this is Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. Keeping them, there is, no, there is great reward. So are we, do we value the word like David did? David, I mean, when he says it's more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, and sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. I mean, he is describing the word, and of course, if you read Psalm 119, it's all about how wonderful the word is and how applicable it is to our lives. And, you know, David writes these things, and he's writing because he has a infinite value of the word. He can't, he can't value it anymore. It's more valuable to him than anything else. And so, do we have that? Do we have that? I mean, are we cultivating a love for God's word in that way? reading, I, I want to make a, a, just a, a statement about reading in general. You know, God has com- communicated to us in a form that requires us to read. So if somebody says, I don't like to read, well, okay, you may not like to read, but that's how God has communicated to us in a book. So we need to value, if you don't like it, you need to value reading. Um, it seems this is something we should take seriously for us and our children. We've talked about before about the value of learning wisdom from other people and from written sources and from what other people have experienced. And certainly what God has communicated to us rather than learning things the hard way, right? But we, we're not going to learn from God's Word unless we have a value for reading. And there is a difference between reading it and hearing it. And we're going to talk more broadly about those things. But just the fact that we are able to read, we are so blessed to have God's Word in our language. You know, God has communicated to us in a book, but we here in America and so many other nations around the world, we, we are so blessed to have God's Word in our language because that's not the case for everybody. That's not the case for every culture, every people group. There are many people groups in the world that don't have the Scripture, and many who have very few or possibly no literate people at all in their people in their their group. So we are so fortunate and oftentimes I think we miss that. Oftentimes we don't even think about how blessed we are by God that he has given us his word and given us the ability to read it. Don Whitney says fact is that many now this is he he's talking about he had been talking about a tribal group they went to visit and they had no bibles whatsoever. In, the, in where they were at. They, the only thing they had was a preacher that came around like every six weeks or something like that, and he gave like one of six messages. So like every, you know, a couple times a year, they got the same message <laughs> twice. So they weren't getting very much Bible uh, fed to them at all. So they had, they had collected some money and they got some Bibles for this group who they could read. They just didn't have any Bibles. But he says, After that, he says, fact is, however, that many of us have more Bibles in our home than entire churches have in some impoverished or isolated parts of the world. But it's one thing to be unfamiliar with Scripture when you don't own a Bible. It's another when you have a bookshelf full. And this is one of those quotes that stuck out to me. I probably could have said it from memory. But it's because it's convicting in that we have Bibles galore. 
but we don't value them like somebody would who doesn't have the word and they have no exposure to it. So we take it for granted, essentially, is what I'm saying. And so we, don't, we, we oftentimes don't have a, a, a love for the word that we ought to. Scripture has a lot to say about the value and necessity of the word. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Ephesians 5, or Ephesians 6, describes the word as the sword of the spirit. Colossians 3 tells us to let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Obviously, it's not going to happen if we're not taking it in, right? In in order for it to richly dwell within us, we need to be taking it in in large measure. As was stated last week, 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. We're not going to accurately handle the word of truth if we're not in the word of truth. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is inspired. Remember, that's literally breathed out by God. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So, how is the man of God adequately equipped for every good work? By the Word. It's how we are made adequate and equipped, is by God's Word. And if he, uh, Hebrews 4, 12 For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And finally, we recognize our sin in Scripture. So Romans 7, 7 and 8, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking the opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind, for apart from the law, sin is dead. We have conscience. We have the work of the Holy Spirit as believers to convict us of when we are sinning. But we don't recognize that sin apart from seeing it in the Word, where God has laid out His will for us. There's huge value in that, in that we can examine ourselves according to the Word, through the lens of Scripture, and see where we need to change. And remember, that's the point is change. It's not just reading, it's change. Now, I know most, if not all of you, are familiar with what I've said this morning about the Word so far. But possibly consider if you are only familiar or if you are convicted by these truths. So the things that I've said, it's very easy to say, I I know that, I know that, I know that. I've heard that before, I've heard I know. But to really say, yeah, I should be evaluating. I should be valuing the word more than I do. And to be in in order to do that, we need to cultivate that love for the word. If we do value it as we should, and this is the test, right? Remember, we put our energy and our time into what we value. This is the test. If we do value it as we should, we will want and we will read, study, meditate and be changed by God's word. If those things aren't happening, we do not value the Word as we should. Um, Remember the quote from last week. Whitney said that the believer has new holy hungers that unbelievers don't have. We should love and desire to know the Word because the Word is our Creator and Savior's only special revelation to us, the only Word that He has provided. This is the only specific Word that God has provided in the Word, in the Scripture that He's given us. Now, we do a lot of Christian stuff, coming to church and fellowship and all the things that we do, but nothing is going to grow us more than the regular intake of God's Word. 
Nothing's going to change us like being in God's Word on a regular basis. All the other Christian things we do, all the church things we do, all the stuff that we, any of the other spiritual disciplines do, this is going to change us and bring about God's will in our life more so than anything else. Most professing Christians would agree with all this, yet it still has little to no motivation to regularly get into God's Word more faithfully. Like, we hear these things. Even people from other churches would probably know these things or agree with them or even see them themselves. But, but there's a, a lot of nominal Christians, I guess you could say, or professing Christians, that this doesn't change their value or change their desire or motivate them to get into God's Word at all. Don Whitney said, Some wag remarked that the worst dust storm in history would happen if all church members who were neglecting their Bibles dusted them off simultaneously. Um, <laughs> So, so how, do, how do we intake God's Word? What, what does this mean? It's not just reading it. Obviously, the first and easiest way of taking God's Word in is to hear it. So that would be like you are this morning. You're coming into church. You're hearing me, hearing Chris. You're hearing, the God, you're hearing God's Word read. You're hearing God's Word ex, uh, exposited, expounded upon. So it just sit, coming and sitting, why is this a discipline then if it's so easy just to hear it? Well, uh, because we must do the work of regularly placing ourselves in the proximity of hearing the Word. As I said, that's what you guys are doing. You guys are here. This is what you come for. You come to hear the Word. In attending church where the Word is faithfully preached and exposited regularly, and that's a discipline. That It, that it requires discipline, particularly when you have three, four, five, eight, nine, ten kids, whatever. So to, you know, get in, to get out the door and get here and do all that's necessary in order to get everybody here and to spend time at church every week and hear the word preached is a discipline. But remember that the point is not doing, it's becoming. So let's make sure we keep that focus. It's not just what we're doing. It's, it's the point of becoming like Christ. The point of hearing is not to hear. The point of hearing is not to just check off the box. Remember, of being a, a spiritual discipline, I came to church to check that box. It's not the point. The point is hearing for the point for the purpose of changing in obedience. James 1, 22 through 25. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he, has looked at, once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. I've heard somebody say that the reason it says that it's like a man instead of a woman who looks at his natural, because the man's going to forget what he looks like when he walks away, but the woman most likely wouldn't. So... Um, now, I haven't read the book, but I just thought of it as I was looking over my notes before coming in here, and maybe somebody else can give a testimony. But uh, expository listening, Ron, who is that? Who wrote it? Ken Ramey. Ken Ramey? Okay. Anyway, that's what I need to get. I just thought of it. So, but, what, but the idea, the concept of it, listening with intention, right? Um, now, a secondary for us anyway method of hearing God's Word is listening to an audio Bible or... Um, or recorded preaching and teaching on God's Word. Now, we'll talk about audio Bibles again when we get to memorization, but listening to the Bible can be useful. So listening instead of actually reading it, reading it on paper for yourself. Now, I want to, I do want to put some caution in here on this, though, because 
in my opinion, and I think others would agree, listening to the Bible is not the best way to get your main Bible intake. Um, it's too easy to not pay attention. It's too easy to just have your mind. And um, in my experience, personally, as well as counseling others, listening to Scripture, like a, an audio Bible, is best for complementing other Scripture intake. So if you're trying to gain familiarity with a passage or if you want to, you're trying to memorize a passage, which we'll get to later, it's good to listen to a section or a book over and over again as you drive or shave or, you know, whatever. Uh, the repetition is helpful. Listening as a substitute for reading is not enough. So just try and, So this lesson's going to be a little more, and hopefully as we, on go, as we go on with these um, these disciplines, we're going to try and put some more practicality into this, okay? So listening is not necessarily the best way to go about it. Now, someone may be able to pay attention enough for it to be useful as a primary intake as opposed to reading, but I would caution anyone to automatically think that you're that person, right? I would say you should really think that through as objectively as you can and come to a solid conclusion that that's best for you. Um, in other words, my advice is it's probably not a good idea. That's my personal take on this. Um, we've talked in class before about our short attention spans. We are conditioned in our culture to have stray minds. We are conditioned to switch our focus quickly and to not focus, to easily be distracted and to not focus on one thing very long. So it seems reasonable to put measures into place to force our concentration. And listening to something is not going to do that. Listening to an audio Bible is not likely to make that happen. So um, I didn't know where to fit this, but Whitney makes this, it's a great point, I think. If you have the privilege of reading God's Word to God's people, learn to read it well. This is an acquired skill as no one naturally reads well aloud. Read it for what it is, the living word of the living God. Now, in that respect, us as parents, um, it, it seems good as we discuss being parents and influencing our kids with the words and, and doing it while we're walking along the road and all those things we talked about from Deuteronomy. If we're talking about doing those things, um, effectively relating all the things of the word um, and the commandment to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is for parents the parents should be reading the Word in the home. So you should be reading the Word to your kids. So as you're doing that, that's a prime place to train them to be able to read the Word well, to be able to read God's Word to God's people well. Uh, okay, so the next method of, of intaking God's Word is reading it. Now, this is the one that we probably think of first. So... From his, from his book, he, he quotes a Gallup poll in 1990. Okay, I know that was like a really long time ago for everybody but me and Yvonne. But Yvonne and... No, that's right. Uh, a Gal, Yvonne and me. Okay. A Gallup poll in 1990 found that only 11% of Americans read their Bible every day. Now, if you just thought, that's sad and then went, wait, I don't read my Bible every day. You're in the 11%, okay? That now, 11%, that's 11% of Americans read their Bible every day. More than 50% of Americans only read their Bible once a month or never at all. 
This, now, this poll was in 1990, okay? That was a really, really long time ago, over 30 years ago. Now, I have a hard time imagining these numbers have improved in the past 30 years. So, basically, you can take those numbers and just, we'll just stick with these numbers, okay? But they're probably worse now than they were. And we wonder why we live in a culture that so actively opposes the things of God, when this is how often God's Word is even being picked up to be looked at. Now, my guess is these stats are not representative of y'all in this class, okay? However, I don't want to assume that. So I'll let you guys think that through yourself. Do you want to be in the camp with the Americans, or do you want to be in the camp with the believing Americans? (laughs) Uh, Besides, as this poll was representative of Americans, professing believers should be, so the the believers should be, far different from these numbers, you would think, right? You would think that believers should not be only 11% of them reading their Bible every day. Of course, the believers are included in that. Any believers that were asked that, right? They're just Americans. But Whitney goes on. Another poll around the same time reported that only 18% of those professing to be born-again Christians read their Bible every day. So we're only up 7% for people that identify as born-again Christians. And so not only that, but 23% of those people identifying as born-again Christians never read their Bibles. So, as I said, we can understand by looking at this why we live in a culture that has nothing to do with God, is completely opposed to God. But these are dismal stats for believers. It's no wonder, so the extension would be, if you take believers, it's no wonder we have so many false preachers deceiving the masses. Because they don't know. They don't know what the Bible says. Anybody can tell them anything. If, as Whitney says, the regular intake of God's Word is the greatest factor for change and godliness, these kind of numbers give us a great indicator on why there are so many nominal Christians that have no idea what the Scripture says. So you have a lot of people that are identifying as born-again Christians that never read their Bible. 23% of them back in 1990. Probably more like something else now, 30% or something. Who knows? But there's a lot of people that identify as believers that never pick up God's Word. We read in the Gospels that Jesus asks, have you not read? He assumes those identifying as God's people would have read God's Word. According to Deuteronomy 8.3, Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, if we are to live, so Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If we are to live on every word, shouldn't we be reading every word? Right? If we're going to live on it, we need to read it. We need to understand it. We need to know it. Now, since all Scripture is profitable, shouldn't we be taking in all Scripture so that we can be adequately equipped to do what God would have us to do? So if all Scripture is profitable, we should be taking in all Scripture. Right now, some more practical stuff, hopefully. So being intentional about this. So first part of being intentional about getting into God's word is making the time. Okay. The Bible is over 2000 pages long. Okay. Unless you have really big pages, I guess. But my Bible is 2000 pages. And that's a big book. That's daunting for most people to get through a 2,000-page book. And honestly, if it was something other than the Bible, I would never read it because there's no way I'm going to take the time 
or have the attention span to go for 2,000 pages of anything other than the Bible. However, now I may have said this in this class before, I probably have, so somebody might have the answer. Does anyone want to take a guess or remember, if I said it before, how long it takes to read through the whole Bible based on audio Bible readings? So if you have an audio Bible that you're going to listen to, do you know how long it takes to get through it? 71, as we said, yeah. Right around there, 71. 71 hours. So to read the entire 2,000 pages of Scripture, it only takes 71 hours. Now, when we hear 2,000 pages, we think that's going to take forever. But 71 hours really isn't that long when you think about it. Now, I did a quick Google search because Google has the answer to everything. Uh, they estimate, uh, estimates suggest that in 2023, now this was an August 2023 dated article, U.S. adults will spend an average of nearly three hours watching TV each day. So we have 71 hours to read through the Bible. The average American watches three hours of television every day. That's the average. The number has been decreasing, in re that number of hours watching TV has been decreasing in recent years. Why? Social media doesn't include any other screens. It only includes television. So you can guess that this is three hours. Does anybody have any idea what the, what the screen time is? Do you know what the screen time is for other than TV? I'd just be curious what they are combined now. I mean, we're, talk, we're probably talking more like five or six hours because every time I, every time I, what's that? Depending on like what generation you are. Because I think like Gen Z is like eight or 10 hours a day on, on screens. Yeah. And I guess that would probably exclude television because they're not watching TV at all, probably. Um, anyway, okay. So anyway, it's way too much. That's the point. Um, so, so you guys know where I'm going with this, right? Okay, so three hours a day, 30 days a month, 90 hours, not including other screen time. That's just TV time. Now, um, this is not meant to be a TV versus Bible guilt trip, although... I don't feel sorry if you're feeling that way, okay? <laughs> this, this is just to show that the entire Bible could be read with time to read all the commentary in the study Bible also in less than a month of an average American's TV time. In one month, with the commentary, you could read through the entire Bible. Now, that's giving up three hours a day. Now, I, I, don't, have any, I don't have any imagination that, you, that any of you in this room are probably watching three hours of t television a day. I could be wrong, but I, I don't think that's probably happening. Now, in other numbers... 71 hours times 60 minutes divided by 365 days is 12 minutes a day. So 12 minutes a day, you can get through the entire Bible in a year. 12 minutes a day. Conclusion, provided a person can read, the only reasons not to read through the Bible are lack of motivation and or lack of discipline. Which one do you think is more likely the case? Lack of motivation or lack of discipline. I don't know. It might be a toss-up. <laughs> but definitely lack of discipline, I think, is, and that's, that's what we're doing here in the class, right? Oh, man, I'm like, i got to get going. Okay, so what are some practical ideas for reading Scripture? So Whitney says, try reading at the same time every day so that you develop a habit. So schedule a time to do it. And that's, that's true for anything. Anything that's important to you, you're going to schedule it to make it happen. What, what doesn't end up on the calendar, a lot of times, just doesn't happen at all, right? We're going to talk more about habits later. 
reading at night, this is Whitney again, reading at night before going to bed is often not the best plan. We retain, this is, his, this is what he said, we retain very little of what we read before sleeping and we don't do very much sinning while we're sleeping. Scripture is best, it's best at a time when we can actually apply it or think through when we're going to apply it. And that's not going to happen if we're reading it before we go to bed at night. It's just not going to happen. Of course, there are exceptions. There's people who work wonky hours or the Al Mollers of the world that sleep like four hours a night and they do their best work at 2 a.m. Very few people like that, though. Generally, reading early in the day is good. We're normally most rested. We have caffeine of some kind and uh, we can control our schedule more effectively. Now, what do I mean by controlling your schedule more effectively? Well, we can always get up earlier. That is one thing we can control. We can always get up earlier. For many people, the house is quieter earlier in the morning. Now, this is really where the intentionality and priority of spiritual disciplines is starting to come into play. Thinking through, what time do I need to leave the house or sign in to start working from home? What other stuff needs to be done before that can happen? Then work backwards to when we need to be out of bed and in our chair, reading. Then the hard part, sticking to it. This is the part that makes disciplines, right? This is the spiritual, you know, the Bible is the spiritual part. Actually reading it is the discipline part, right? That's the discipline part. Now, I remember Chris saying a while back that he would set one alarm to get up in the morning. Do you know if he still does this? Okay. Do you know what I'm going to say? Okay. So he sets one alarm in the morning to get up. And then he sets a second alarm. And I don't know if he still does this, but this is what he said back then. Set a second alarm a few minutes later. Now, the second alarm was one of those big, loud, metal, actual clanging bell clock alarms that sounds like a fire engine's getting ready to go somewhere, right? Uh, and he would take that one, and it wouldn't be in his bedroom. It would be in the kitchen so that when it rang, it would wake up the entire house. So the point was is that the first alarm would wake him up, and he knew he only had a few minutes to get out of bed and get out there and turn it off so that he was up and out and where he's going to pick up his Bible, right? Now... That's great planning, you know, and some of us just think of something like that, I guess. Um, all right, next, find a reading plan. Now, this is the next suggestion. Find a reading plan. Now, we have you covered at gracemaryville.org slash recommended, or go to gracemaryville.org, scroll to the bottom, and click on recommended. There are several links there for reading plans, okay? So you don't have any excuse to not find a reading plan now, all right? Now, a few thoughts on reading through the Bible. The Old Testament is about 75% of the Bible. It contains history, prophecy, laws, both moral and ceremonial, detailed descriptions of things like the temple and the tabernacle over and over again, some of those things, genealogies, poetry, and wisdom literature. These are not all familiar to us. These are unfamiliar to readers of Scripture. Even those who have been believers for a long time are not familiar with these types of things in the Old Testament or these types of literature. And you need to know what it is you're reading. You can't be reading something and not realize you're reading history and thinking it's something else, poetry or something, right? And that happens all the time. People look at Genesis and they say, this is poetry. It's not poetry, it's history. So you have to know what you're reading, and that's confusing. That is, it's difficult for some people that even people have been believers for a long time. The purpose for reading the Word is not just to read. We need to understand and apply. 
So without some guidance, this can be very difficult when we're going through the Old Testament. Now, if the Old Testament is 75% of the Bible and we want to read all of God's Word, but we're not understanding what we're reading or getting value out of it, there's very little point to doing that because the point is to become, to be changed. So hopefully some useful suggestions here. Learn Old Testament survey. Get a book or books or, and ask Ron or Chris or somebody for a good Old Testament survey book or take a class if it's time to do that. If you can, if you can fit in the time, if it's time to sign up for SI, sign up for SI. If it's time for sign up for LBI, then sign up for that. Those, they do surveys in those if that's possible. Or Abner Chow, Master's University, for free, 24 lessons out of his class on Old Testament survey, free, available online, Master's University, SoundCloud. Just go on there. I've got the link. I'll put it in the notes for the class. So Old Testament survey, you got to survey. Of course, having a book would be good because then you can refer to it as you read. Learn why the contents of the Old Testament matter, how they relate to the Israelites, the New Testament, God the Father, and Jesus, as well as the big picture of theology that's presented in the Old Testament. Also, or instead, read in a study Bible and read the book introductions and notes as you go along. This is a huge help in putting the pieces together because it's going to explain. This person wrote during this person's reign and this, this is what he was talking about and this is where he lived and all those things. It's all going to be in the introductions and in the notes as you read through your study Bible. So get a good study Bible. MacArthur study Bible, Ryrie study Bible. I don't, I don't know what else is out there, but... Um, and that's going to make it more interesting for you to read as well and, and more applicable to you. Now, also, as we said last week, we need to keep in mind that the doing is not the purpose, it's the becoming, as I said, becoming like Christ. If we're reading a bunch of words that we don't know what they mean or how they relate to our lives, we're not going to be doing the becoming part because it's just not going to relate. Now, a few more thoughts on reading through Scripture. Psalms and Proverbs, in my opinion, and I think a lot would agree with me, are profitable to read every day. So, you know, if you're just reading straight through the Bible, you're going to miss out on that kind of value of reading those things all the time. Uh, 31 chapters in Proverbs, I've said this before, 31 chapters in Proverbs, so one chapter a day gets you through the book each month. So then you start learning the Proverbs because you're just reading them all the time. And, of course, doing that with kids is a great thing. It opens up lots of time for conversation with them. There are 150 psalms, but they're vastly different in length. So if you were going to read the 150 psalms in five months or one month or whatever, and just doing it by chapters, um, you're going to have some days like day number 117 that's two verses. And then you're going to have a day like 119 that's going to have 176 verses. So that's not necessarily the best way to go. Um, so if you can want to read through Psalms and you're going to have a plan for that, then maybe structure it by pages or I used to do it by sections. I have half page sections in my Bible. I had so many I wanted to do a day. I'd figure out what was close to that and I would read that many chapters. So I was always reading about the same amount. Um, and Psalm 119 just ends up being a long psalm read day anyway, no matter how you cut it, so, unless you break it up, and you don't want to do that, really. If you choose or develop a daily reading plan, reading daily in the New Testament and the Old Testament is beneficial. So if you, like I said, if you spend uh, 75% of your time, that's nine months out of your year that you're going to be in the Old Testament. You're not even going to get to the New Testament, which is written to church-age believers, if you do it just straight through, you're not going to get to it till what, October? I mean, 
we need to be reading the New Testament on a regular basis. So sub that in or figure out some way to be reading the New Testament also. Uh, suggested, Whitney just has a few things he has to say about suggestions. Uh, this is one. He says, read three chapters in the Old Testament and three in the New Testament every day, and you'll finish the Old Testament once and the New Testament four times in a year. So that's six chapters. Read six chapters. And I know that's a time commitment, but do we value God's Word? If we value God's Word and we want more of it, we can figure out how to do six chapters, right? And I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm not going to test anybody or ask anybody, but, but that's a, that seems like a good plan. You're in the New Testament a lot, and you go through the New Testament four times a year, you're going to know it a lot better than you did the year before. That's for sure. And you will be growing. Um, personally, I've liked to re- read through the Old Testament minus Psalms and Proverbs in a big chunk all at once or in a short amount of time, and then I spend the rest of my time reading New Testament Psalms and Proverbs. So um, just reading in those areas. Now, there's no commandment to read through the Bible in any particular time frame. So when we're talking about reading through the Bible in a year, and some of us come up with that idea every year and say, I'm going to read through the Bible this year, there's no commandment to do that. So you don't have to read through the Bible in any certain amount of time. The point of reading God's Word is not reading through it at all. The point is to read it for change, to know and to please Him. So we've given you lots of reasons. So however you choose to read, it's good to keep track. So even if you don't read through it in a year, you don't have a plan for doing that, keep track of what you are reading so you can be progressing and reading through all of Scripture at some point. some point you're going to say, I've read through it all, and you check it off. And you start again, maybe with a different plan, right? Now, of course, if we're going to read the Bible for the purpose of godliness, we should be paying attention and considering what we read. We should be in the habit of thinking about how what we read applies to our lives. So in other words, we don't want to just read it to check the box and have no idea what we read when we walked away, which I'm guessing we have all had that experience. Uh, we don't want that to happen. So if we stop and contemplate on what God's Word says, we, otherwise we're going to walk away not having benefited from our time in the Word. And we're going to be like that forgetful hearer of James 1 that doesn't even remember what he looks like when he walks away from the mirror, right? Remember, the checkboxes are useful, but only when the heart is behind them. Uh, A third aspect of intaking God's Word is study. Now, the main difference between reading and studying is a pen and paper, is using a pen and paper, writing down what you think, writing down your questions, and then finding answers to those things, or thinking about, as you're reading, how can I apply this to my life? What does this mean to me? How have I been sinning that I'm recognizing in, in the, that's studying it. That's the difference. So when we think of study, we think we got to get all these books out and start learning all these things and all these details. That's study also, and that's good. But that's not necessary to be studying God's Word. The more we do it, the more you're going to the more you're going to want to get into it, though. Um, of course, this levels our intake up, right? Getting closer to the labor of the Christian life that we talked about last week. Whitney quotes R.C. Sproul. He says, here then is the real problem of our negligence. We fail in our duty to study God's Word, not so much because it's difficult to understand, not so much because it's dull and boring, but because it is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is that we are lazy. Study involves more than just reading as it is practiced in an effort to better understand what we are reading. Now, Blue Letter Bible, if you guys, Blue Letter Bible is a wonderful tool for studying your Bible. And it's great just to have it open while you're reading because you come across something you don't, it's not familiar to you, 
you look it up in Blue Letter Bible and it's right there. It'll tell you. It's got tons of resources there. Now, there's some good commentaries on there and there's some other commentaries. I don't know if they're good or not. I'm not going to say they're not. I'm just going to say that I'm not familiar with them. And so I stick with what's familiar. So again, ask Chris or Ron what the ones are that are reasonable. I believe uh, Blue Letter Bible, I, I think it's put out by Calvary Chapel. And so a lot of their commentary stuff is their pastor's stuff, the pastors in their network. Uh, is a lot of the commentary. So I just stay away. I don't know if it's good or bad. I'm not saying anything about character. I'm just saying, I don't know. So I stay away from it. Um, but I did a random, I was look, I had it open to Psalms. I picked one. I looked at the, the commentaries or the commentary resources it gave me. And it gave me resources from Matthew Henry, J.C. Ryle, Spurgeon, H.B. Charles, Calvin, and MacArthur. Those were all listed in there as opportunity, all different things that I could look at that were commentary on the, the, the random Psalm that I picked. So there's good stuff in there, too. You just need to go with what you're familiar with, what you know is solid, but it's great stuff to have and easy. BlueLetterBible.org makes it easy. Um, you can look up word studies. You can look up all kinds of stuff in there. It's great. Um, I would recommend creating a free account when you do that because then it, it saves your default version of your Bible, your translation. So if you're in NASB 95, don't do the ESV, whatever you do. <laughs> um, um, <coughs> But, you know, for mine, I have NASB 95. And so when I sign in, every search I do comes up as NASB 95. If you don't do that, you're going to get the KGV every single time. So you don't want that. So, uh, well, maybe you do. Maybe you really like it. Um, so set up an account when you do it. All right, so I'm going to end, uh, end the lesson here with the way Whitney ends his section on this, on intaking God's Word. So what is, the, and this isn't exact, this is just the type of finish he has, but what is one thing you can do to improve and or increase your intake of God's Word? So think that through intentionally. What is one thing that you can do to change that for the better? What will be the habit and or system you're going to employ to make that happen? What will be the goals and or deadlines you set for more faithfully intaking God's Word in 2024? How will you track your progress? Because you need to track it. If you don't track it, it's not going to happen. You're going to lose track. You're going to lose. You're going to lose it. If you track it, you visually see I'm doing this. If you don't track it, it gets lost and you just fall off the rails. Well, maybe you don't. Most of us fall off the rails uh, if we're not tracking it. And and you have in order to track it, you need to be more specific than I'm going to read more this year. Okay. So all right, let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for this time again, and we thank you for your word that you have made yourself and your will known to us, and I pray that we would value that more, that we would love your word more, that we would demonstrate that by our time and our energy and our effort as we pursue time to spend in your word, that we would make that time, that we would have a plan, that we would um, do what is necessary and, and use our, our brains to... Um, figure out the, the, the best things to go about doing that so that we can um, get the word that we need that we might change and become more like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.